Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. We're on episode 38, and we are finishing up our study of Philippians, diving into chapter 4. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. This chapter might be one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, which is why when we decided to do Philippians, I was like, Erin, I've got to do chapter four. Like, (laughs) I have... Um, relied on this chapter for so much in so many seasons of my life, so I'm super excited to walk through it. So let's start with verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Just right out of the gate, so much good stuff. So I love how Paul says, whom I love and long for. And I think all of us can relate to that because um, Tim Keller has a really great quote on this. He He says that to be loved but not known is comforting, but superficial. But to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. Mm-hmm. But to be fully known and truly loved is a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humble, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. Which I love that because I think if we're all being honest... That's so true. We mm-hmm. just want to be known and we want to be loved. Yes. And like we want to be loved for who we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're afraid, right? Like yeah. we're afraid to be known because what if we're not loved? Right. For who we are. So there's there's this kind of hesitancy when, especially when joining community or, you know, even in dating relationships or in friendships that we're like, I don't really want you to know me completely because what if you don't love me for who mm-hmm. I am? But this is, Paul is reminding them that, you know, these are his friends, in, which we've seen throughout the book is that he tr- truly cares about these people. And he says, whom I love and I long for. And we just want to be loved and we want to be longed for. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool that he, he, uh, you know, talks about that because we understand that we can relate to that. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love it. I love how he starts this chapter. Good stuff. So going on to verse two, I entreat, oh no, I don't know how to say this word. I entreat. Yodia? Yodia. And I entreat. Oh, no. Sintek? Sintiki? Oh, that's a fun one. (laughs) Sintiki. To agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. We won't go into a lot of detail here, um, honestly, because I don't really know it. But it (laughs) appears that these women had had some sort of disagreement. They're in the church and had some sort of disagreement. To me, this is just Paul reiterating that it's important for the sake of the gospel that um, they put their disagreement aside, decide to like agree to disagree or reconcile or whatever it takes, um, and to be one so the gospel can continue to move, move forward. So I think that's what he's saying here. Yeah, that's good. And I like how he uses the word labored because mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. reminds us that sometimes, you know, spreading that gospel is is work. Mm-hmm. And they, they need to be, like you're saying, one to, to keep that going. Right, right. All right, verse four. Here we see my favorite word again. <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone that the Lord is at hand. Paul here is saying rejoice 
in all circumstances, not just um, like we talked about on last episode, not just when you get a gluten-free donut that is delicious, (laughs) but even when it's hard, like I think about things that I've been through and I think, um, you know, even when I was laying on an ultrasound table and the doctor was telling me that my baby was really, really sick and that he wasn't going to live finding a way to rejoice in that, rejoicing when um, your parent gets really sick, when your kid has a fever for days and you're waiting on blood work to come back and things are uncertain and you don't know what's going to happen, rejoicing in that. I think it's sometimes easy for us to rejoice in the good times, although I think we have to be careful about that too because sometimes we forget to credit the good things to God. Right. And we talked about that on last episode. I mean, you don't you don't want to make light of things, but our good gifts are from God. And so we need to rejoice even in the good times. Um, but it's especially hard when times are bad. Paul is saying that the way you do this is through your reasonableness. And this is really hard for me because I have told most of my friends kind of know um, through my struggle with anxiety they people that don't struggle with anxiety don't really understand but you get to this point where you are completely just unreasonable mm-hmm. like there would be no reasoning with me like Jonathan would be telling me something and I know what he's saying is true but for some reason I just in that moment could not believe it and I was completely unreasonable in those in those moments where I feel completely out of control and completely unreasonable that's when My reasonableness has to come from just completely knowing and believing in God's sovereignty. And going back to that, um, that hope that we talked about a couple of episodes ago, that our only hope in life and death is, is God. He's our only hope in life and death. I think that in those times um, when it's not easy to rejoice, if if we spend time outside of the suffering, spend time in seasons when things are good, getting that those um those facts and really truly believing that Jesus is who he says he is then when those times of suffering come we are able to have that reasonableness mm-hmm. that that Paul is talking about here he says let your reasonableness reasonableness be known to everyone the lord is at hand so the lord is near to us and i have a friend that um used to say something in high school and it's funny looking back because i had no idea what it meant Mm -hmm. no idea i said it over and over um she would write it like on post-it notes and like put it in my car like bethany if you're listening to this i love you dearly because this has stuck with me but she used to say god is sovereign and jesus is enough and now that just means so much to me and i think that that's the reasonableness that Paul is talking about. I think just remembering that God has all authority. He is in control and that all we need is Jesus. Jesus is enough because he has, he has covered us and um, by his blood and we have been redeemed through him. Yeah, I think that's what that's what he's talking about here is that even when the circumstances aren't good, we can rejoice because the Lord is near us. It's good. That's super helpful. And I think something I just listened to on um, another podcast that they were talking about is that we need to learn these things in the light so we can stand on them exactly. in the dark. Mm-hmm. And I had never thought about that before because it seems like a lot of times it's those those seasons of suffering where we really draw in and press into the Lord. But think of how much better it would be as if, if we drew in that much and mm-hmm. leaned on the Lord that much during the good times so that we had that yes. firm 
foundation mm-hmm. in the hard times. And so and it, sometimes it just takes little things like that, like you're saying with your friend who would leave you those little notes where you kind of say it, just like our kids mm-hmm. memorize the catechism answers right. and they might right. not fully understand it. But then when they get to a place where they're not sure, you know, is the Bible really true? They can recall those catechism answers mm-hmm. and they can stand on those foundations mm-hmm. that um, will help them when they're unsure. And it's the same for us as adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to, I've talked about it before, but like Jonathan, how when he was memorizing mm-hmm. Romans eight, and when I walked through everything with with Isaac and losing losing him, um, Romans eight completely like just played over in my head over and over because I had heard it so much mm-hmm. beforehand in that time of life that you're talking about that in the time of darkness it was there and it was um, something solid for me to stand on. Yeah, so it's good. All right, going on verse six. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. These verses, they have been my lifeline for so many days because I, like I've said already on this um, episode, even, you know, anxiety has just been something that... um, has been a big part of my life and I have really had to work through. And so the fact that right here, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but then he goes on it. He doesn't just leave us with don't be anxious. He goes on to tell us how to not be anxious. He says by prayer and supplication, remembering like we've talked about before with humility to humbly pray for help. Like that takes humility, praying for help because that's what supplication means to pray for help, to say, I need help, God. Like, I can't do this on my own. I cannot get out of this place of anxiety on my own. So um, humbling yourself, praying for help, and to be thankful, not just if he answers your prayer the way you're praying, but to be thankful no matter what happens. That's so important to remember because it's easy to be thankful if, if your prayer is answered in a way that you want it to be answered, but remembering to be thankful no matter what, um, because he is faithful and because he's good. And so just remembering that our life is not our own, that leads to peace. Mm-hmm. Remembering whose hands we are in leads to peace. This is why I was able to function during my pregnancy with Isaac. It was a peace that I could not understand on my own. I had a one-year-old daughter, and I was able to get up every day and enjoy her and soak her in and play with her and, and smile and laugh. I mean, I remember people asking me, like, how are you laughing? Like, how are you smiling right now? And I'm like, it is all the Lord. It is 100% the Lord because I was able to put my trust in him. I knew that he was good. And that in turn brought me peace. And so even now with, with much smaller things that I struggle with anxiety, just praying, praying for help and being thankful because God is good no matter what, that always leads to peace. I think it's really cool. I didn't know Casey at the time that um, that she was pregnant with Isaac, but I just it's so cool, and I'm so proud to be her friend because I think people who who are 
able to have this peace that surpasses understanding. Like, what a way to share God. Because people can look at you and, like you're saying, ask you, like, how are you smiling right now? And you're able to say, you know, I just have this peace from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that um, I'm just so happy and proud of you, friend. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> um, I think also another thing at the last part of those verses, um, it says, we'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And it's important to remember that both our hearts and our minds are important here. Um, like Jen Wilkins says, which we will continue to quote and quote and quote because we love it, but the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. And I heard an example, and so I'm going to totally steal it and turn it into my own example. But if I were leaving here today and I were to go home, um, so excited to see Jonathan. I hadn't seen him, um, you know, in a few hours. I'm just ready to see him, tell him how much I love him. And I come in and I say, oh, babe, I just love you so much. I love your black hair and your blue eyes there would be something wrong with that because my emotions are right. I'm loving him with everything I am, but I have my facts wrong because he has blondish brown hair and brown eyes, not black hair and blue eyes. And so he'd be like, I don't know who you're talking about. (laughs) So that just goes to show that like both the emotions and the facts matter. Um, those things like we talked about on last episode, they have to go hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other and fully know who God is. I love that so much. I think that is such a practical, helpful example because right now we kind of have this idea of God is whoever I want him to be. Mm -hmm. Like I want to pick the attributes I like about him and then ignore the ones that I don't. Mm -hmm. And that's why we did such a big series on the attributes of God because we've personally felt so convicted about knowing who God is so we can worship him and love him correctly so that we can actually make sure we are loving and worshiping him for who he is, not who we want him to be. Mm -hmm. And and that's, um, that's a big difference because right now it's all about God is love. God Mm -hmm. is love. God is love. And yes, God is love, but God isn't only love. He's also just, and he's also omnipotent Mm -hmm. and he's also sovereign and all these things that we spent, um, Lots of episodes talking about which you should go back and listen to if you haven't yet. But it's really helpful and important um, to know who God is. Like like Casey's saying, if you're saying, God, I love you, I love you, I have all these emotions towards you, and it's because you're this way or this way, and he's not that way, then you gotta you got to figure that mm-hmm. out because that's not going to be good. Right. <laughs> right. I don't know how else to say that. Right. It just, it goes back to what we were talking about on the last episode, that relationship, mm-hmm. like truly knowing someone is about knowing more than, than just the facts. Yes. It's about that relationship. Yes. Yes. So good. All right. Verse eight. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. There is so much in this, in these verses right here, so much. Part of the, one of the very first things I see is when Paul is saying whatever is true. Mm-hmm. So Erin, on one of the very first episodes, she she used an example. She said she worked in a bank. And the way she learned to um, spot counterfeit money was to look at all of the real 
money, the real bills. Mm -hmm. So she looked at it, looked at it, looked at it, studied it, studied it, studied it. That way, when a counterfeit dollar or $100 bill, whatever, came through, (laughs) she would be able to tell what was not real. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's um, part of what Paul is saying here is that we need to know what is true. So when counterfeits come to us, we we can say, no, that's false. Mm -hmm. And we're able to to call that out in our life. Um, The next thing, whenever he says whatever is honorable, I really liked this as I was studying this and um, listening to some different commentary on this. Um, So... The the example that I heard used was this guy was talking about how he has this dream that someday he's 80 years old sitting on the porch with his wife talking about his grandchildren's salvations. And this is a very honorable dream. There's nothing wrong about that. He's talking about drinking dark coffee. Like, I mean, it's 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 an honorable thing to think about. But there's a lot of time between now and when this dream could come to fruition. So there are a lot of thoughts that could happen between this. A lot of thoughts that are dishonorable. So if he were to think about women other than his wife, if he were to think about, um, you know, not paying attention to his children, not investing in his children and teaching them about God, those are not honorable. Those are dishonorable. So how does he fight those dishonorable thoughts with this honorable dream that he knows he won't get to without without doing the right things in between there. So is that making sense? Mm-hmm. Like you can, so you, you cannot fight a dishonorable image or a dishonorable thought with nothing. Like you have to fight it with something good. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a really interesting and um, a really good just kind of application to that, that it's important not only to not think about bad things, but to think about good good things mm. and to fill our minds with good things. Um, because I think sometimes we're just like, oh, don't think about the bad. But we don't focus on thinking about what is actually honorable. Mm. So I think that's um, something that's important to remember. Um, another another thing that stood out to me here is that at the end, um, of course, he goes on to say whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. I mean, we can go through all of those kind of the same way, but I think it, it comes back to to filling your mind with things of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in, in my times of anxiety, I have had to really think about that and just just think about um, – all of these things and and basically all of these things it's encompassed by Jesus. Mm. I mean, Jesus is all of these things. Yeah. And I actually have that marked in my Bible because I think that Donnie one week said that like all of these things describe Jesus. So if you focus on Jesus, mm-hmm. then you're focusing on those things. So if you ever need to battle anything negative in your mind, then think on Jesus cuz that's that's what these um, things are talking about. But at the end, he says, what you have learned and received, heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So the word practice to me um, makes me think that this is not going to be easy. Mm. Um, and, and practice takes actively making a decision to um, to fight against them. And so, for example, I, like a lot of people, struggle the most like at night when things are quiet and I'm alone well not alone but you know maybe Jonathan's asleep and laying in bed 
And so my mind starts going crazy. So practicing these things is going to be me actively choosing to not think about whatever I'm anxious about. Mm -hmm. No matter what it may be, my kid getting sick, me getting sick, um, what could happen on the trip we're going on next week, all of these things. It it takes me actively saying, I'm not going to think about this. Opening my Bible, reading verses, deciding one thing I've been doing lately is if my mind's going crazy, like I literally just start start listing the attributes of God. Mm. I start listing them and thanking God for being those things and thinking about what they mean and, um, and, and thinking about how those, those attributes do not, um, align with whatever I'm worried about. Mm -hmm. And so, um, just, but it's, a very active and very unnatural thing. So I have to practice that um, to get to that point of peace. I think that's really practical and helpful. Really practical and helpful. I think it's that's all so good. I really like everything you just said. I don't know. I can't add <laughs> anything to <Thanks>. that. <laughs> I'm telling you, I like this chapter. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's really good. Really good. All right, verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, and now at great length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So in these verses, Paul is just basically um, rejoicing in their spiritual maturity. He's saying, um, I see that you wanted to help me. You didn't have a chance because of circumstances, but but I see that you have grown. I see that you have matured in the Lord, and he's rejoicing in that. That's Mm -hmm. making him happy. And I think that um, that's just a reminder to us that when we see fellow believers maturing in the Lord, like we need to rejoice in that. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing, and God's happy about that. And we need, we need to rejoice in that too. That's good. I like that. And maybe even just speak it. Yes. You know, I've been feeling really convicted lately. Like when I think about somebody, why don't I just text them and be like, Hey, God put you on my heart. Like who wouldn't want to hear that? Right. Like Paul's telling them, you know, like he's rejoicing in their maturity. Like who wouldn't want to hear, Hey, I really like how the Lord has been growing you in your prayer life Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Like that's a, that's a good, that's a good encouragement. I I'm going to work on that. All right. Verse 11, get into the. I shouldn't say get into the good stuff. Oh, man, it's, it's all, all good. good. It's all I mean, good. I meant more like getting to the stuff <laughs> yes, you've heard. Yes, that you usually hear. Okay. Yeah. All right. Verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yeah, so I'm even, as you're reading that again, like I have an outline for what I want to talk about, and I'm even like, wait, maybe I should go this direction. Maybe, (laughs) no. Okay, so there's just so much here, but um, basically, Paul... I like how when he's talking about being content, he he addresses that he has had plenty and he's been hungry. He's had abundance and need. He's not just like, I'm hungry now in jail and I'm in need and I'm still content. Like he he mm-hmm. said that he has been in these positions of, of plenty, of abundance, um, which is true. And if you go back and study more about Paul's journey, um, if you go back and read in Acts, he did have these extremes. Mm-hmm. Like most of us, I think, live kind of in the middle. Like we're not, most of us, you know, can have three meals a day. We are not starving. We have a pretty comfortable bed, but at the same time, most of us don't live in mansions. Mm -hmm. Like, so we're kind of in the middle, but Paul, if you look at his life, like he lived some extremes, like he got to stay with Lydia in her, in her mansion for a little while. And she probably had a 
a chef and, you know, super comfortable. And then he has like been beaten almost to the point of Mm -hmm. death. And so he has, he has had both. And he is saying that he has learned that in every situation he is to be content. And so, um, I think that being content in both in the really good times and in the really hard times, it feels really countercultural um, because in our culture, people are always wanting different, wanting more, wanting more, wanting more. And um, so I think sometimes it's easy to say that we're content, but but like, what does that really look like? Like, is your heart really content? And um, in your head, are you thinking about how you want more or you need more or even just something different? Um, and so another thing that I think about here is that when Paul says he learned, he's referring to his, um, to his sanctification, that it's easy to think that Paul just got to where he was spiritually overnight, which we've kind of talked about a little bit before, but he didn't. (laughs) Um, it was a process for him too, and a tough process. And so when I think about the word learn, I think about being a student, Mm. like being willing. And, um, I mean, sometimes God will blind you and, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that happen. But I also think that he had to have a willing heart, willing to learn and to grow and to do these things for the Lord. And so um, I a lot of times I think about, wow, like, am I do I have an open heart to change? I think we get so set in our ways and it's easy for me to say, well, I'm content, Mm -hmm. but content is not the same as complacency. Mm. And I think that that's important to remember. Like, I think sometimes we can use our contentment as an excuse to not um, further the gospel, to Mm. not work for the Lord. We can say, well, I'm just being content. I'm where God has me. Oh gosh, I've heard that so many times. I've said that so many times. You know, I'm right where God has me. He's, he's got me where he wants me. And, um, but I think there is a bit of a holy discontentment that, that pushes us to, to spread the gospel, that pushes us to love on other people. Like when we look at the people that don't know Jesus, is our heart aching for them? Um, and I know Paul's was. And so I don't think he's saying, that being content means sitting there and doing nothing. I think that what he's saying is being content means once again, being humble Mm. and not caring about yourself, but caring about others. So once again, this just goes back to what does contentment really look like? I think that's a really good question because I've, I think I've never thought about it as I sometimes use contentment as an excuse for complacency. I've never thought about it like that. So I think that's a really good point that you're making. It's it's kind of this hard tension, right? Of mm-hmm. am I being content or am I being lazy? Right. You know, sometimes I'll use my contentment like, oh, I'm I'm content with um, you know, the messiness of my house or whatever it is. Yeah. And and yeah. that might be a silly example, but um just using it as a like you're saying, an excuse. So do you have any examples or practical ways to kind of know how do you know what the difference is? Like, am I being content with where the Lord has me or should I be striving more? Like he said, should I be striving, pressing on towards the goal? Where's this, where's this balance of, um, ambition is mm-hmm. to, is ambition. Okay. Is ambition yeah. sinful is, you know, trying to provide more for your family sinful. How, how do you balance contentment with 
stewarding what God's mm-hmm. given you maybe? Yeah, I think there's, um, well, I think it ultimately comes down to kind of like, like we've been talking about, but just that, um, when you're discontent, a lot of times it's a very self-centered thing. Mm. Like you are wanting more for yourself. Mm-hmm. You are uncomfortable. Um, things aren't how you want them to be. You wanted more for your life than this. Or even, let's use the example you were talking about with the messy house. Like, are you discontent with it um, because it is bothering you or because someone else made someone else yes or even like are you going to clean it up with the thought of like having praise for yourself like Mm, you know this mm. this inward thing um versus are you concerned about other people like is it bothering you and driving you to do more to have this ambition um because someone else needs to hear about Jesus because Mm. someone else is uncomfortable because you don't want your husband to come home to a messy house after he's worked all day. Mm. You know, like I, I think that, I think that that's kind of where you can check your heart in this is, um, are your motives for pushing on, for making changes, are your motives inward focused? Are they outward focused? Is it for that ultimate goal of glorifying God or is it for the ultimate goal of glorifying yourself. That's a really good help. That's super helpful. Okay. Yeah. Super helpful. Then we get to verse 13, which is probably one of the most quoted verses in the whole Bible, I think. And it says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And a lot of times people take that out of context. They think that, oh, I can do anything because Jesus gives me strength and I can do anything. And that's actually not what Paul is talking about here. Paul is saying that through these hard times um, and through these good times, the way that he was able to be content was through the strength of the Lord, because that's not easy to do. Like, when you're almost beaten to death, like, is it easy to be content? No, but he could because he had the strength of God. I think, yeah, I think you're right. People want to use that to increase their ability, but it's not about ability. It's about contentment. Right. All right. Verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except only one. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but that I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphrodites the gifts you've sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in the glory of Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That's a lot. But I decided to just lump it all together because um, I actually think that these verses might be where some of the um, prosperity gospel confusion has come into play. Mm. Because Paul is saying here um, that they have sent these gifts and because they have sent these gifts that the Lord will supply every need according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I think that sometimes this can be interpreted as if you give, then God's going to 
give you all this stuff too. Mm -hmm. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying that, first of all, Paul wanted these gifts so he could continue his work. I mean, let's be honest. Like there are some things that you just need in order to function in Mm -hmm. life, you Mm -hmm. know? And so that was his whole purpose in wanting these these, um, monetary items. But um, when he's telling the, the people in Philippi that God will supply all of their needs. You have to keep reading where it says, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And then he says the word glory again a little bit later. Like it's all about God's glory. And so Paul's not saying, you give me this stuff and God's going to give you a mansion. Mm -hmm. You give me this stuff and you're going to have every single thing you want. He's saying he will supply you with what you need to the glory of God. And so that's not always our, the definitions don't always align. Our definition of what we need and God's definition of what we need can sometimes be different. Many times they are different actually. Um, but we have to remember that it's, it's all for his glory and he will provide that he will take care of us. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes we forget that. And I think that, I think that this is where, when I read it, I was like, Oh, this is where they get that from. (laughs) Like it can be skewed. It really can. Um, but we're just having to, once again, um, the humility, keep, keep that humility in mind and knowing that it's not about us, but it's about God. Yeah. I think some practical takeaways for this are when God does provide things for you immediately in turn, giving him glory for that. Like for example, we really wanted the girls to go to our preschool at our church and there was no way that we could make it work financially. We're on a one income, you know, my husband is a paramedic. And so somebody just scholarshiped our kids and paid for them to go, which was crazy blessing for us. And, you know, the first thing we did was we told the girls like, what an incredible gift, like God provided mm-hmm. in a way that we didn't even ask or expect. I mean, I did pray and ask that if there was a way the Lord would provide, right, but right. like we were just in turn able to just automatically boom, give God glory for that. And um, I've told that story to multiple people multiple times just to remind them that God does provide for us and that he does give us gifts above and beyond Mm -hmm. what we need and that he delights in that. But also it's given us just a chance to say like, God is so good and he Mm -hmm. cares deeply for us. And so we have been able to give God glory for those things. And just like we were talking about last week when he started in verse or chapter three, where he said, finally, and, and we see here, this actually is how he's closing this chapter. And the last thing, you know, we're saying the last thing he says is an important thing. And the last thing he's telling them is, is to remember like God is your provider and that anything you have is from him and that we need to attribute that to him and give him glory for that. And that's how he leaves them is reminding them that, um, God is their provider. And I love how, um, as we've looked throughout this whole book, we we've seen some repeated themes, right? We've seen humility, we've seen sanctification, we've seen joy. And the last one that we see here um, is that that God is our provider and that he does. He longs for our joyful obedience in in the fact that it's all for his glory. So what would you say, and we did not talk about talking about this, so this is going to be on a whim, but what would you say is kind of your your main takeaway from the whole book of Philippians? So going into it, I thought it was going to be joy, Mm -hmm. which is a huge theme in my life. Um, how the Lord just continues to provide, provide me joy, even through hard times. And, um, I just, I, I am a big believer in that 
joy is just so important. Mm -hmm. Having joy day in and day out that that's what the Lord wants for us. And it's just, it's how people are going to see him through us. Mm -hmm. And so I was excited because I was like, oh, the book of joy. Like I heard someone say that, like Philippians is the book of joy, which I believe it is a a big theme. But for me, the Lord has really, really spoken um, to me about humility. Mm -hmm. It's been all, and just even um, I've been able to see through this letter that Paul wrote, this this four-chapter letter, I've been able to see the theme of humility throughout Scripture even more. And that again, that's just why biblical literacy is so important because reading these four chapters has helped me understand other parts of Scripture. But I just think that... Um, yeah, I've just seen the theme of humility and just the remembering that this life is not about us. It is about God and his glory and also the humility in terms of life not being about us, but being about others. Mm. Um, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, just doing the uncomfortable so someone else doesn't mm-hmm. have to do it. And how through those little actions, the Lord, uh, people will see the Lord through that and how important that is and how hard that is. Mm-hmm. Um, just day in and day out. I I think a lot of times if you would ask me, I would say, oh yeah, I don't really struggle with that. But I think I do more than I, than I realize. Mm-hmm. And this has brought that to light. So it's been good. Yeah. What about you? Oh, man, I think, and this goes way back to when we even started this study, is that I think the biggest thing I'm taking away is that, and I, I know this, but this has just been a reoccurring thing that I come, keeps coming up in scriptures, that, that God is sovereign, and even mm-hmm. more than that God is sovereign, is that God can use any means and any people to accomplish his will. Yes, because yeah. I, and to be totally honest, before studying this, I've studied Philippians before, but I haven't studied so much about who, you know, about Lydia and about this little slave girl and about the jailer and just learning all of that um, and understanding that God can use anybody and he can meet them where they are. And, and even Paul, like the fact that Paul was such a staunch like Pharisee against the Christians and God just like grabbed him. And that theme of just, you know, God is so sovereign and that he's weaving all things together. And so sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. Like we Mm. can look back on this book and see, okay, God used these people in this way. He used them this way, but they didn't know that while that was happening. You know what I mean? Like Lydia had no idea that all of this was going to happen, that she was going to be part of establishing this church that Paul deeply loved and God had incredible purposes for that, you know, was going to then be put in the Bible for everybody to read about and study about God. Like, and that just gets me all excited. Like we don't know what God has for us. And Casey and I were talking about this before we started recording is that it's kind of like, you know, we're on this journey and we don't know what's ahead of us. And that usually would terrify me. Mm -hmm. But recently God's been reminding me like, he is infinitely good yes. and that he is infinitely sovereign and that I can trust him. And, and these stories of these people of Lydia and, and the church of Philippi that, you know, I can rely on these stories and that are true to remind myself of God's character of that, you know, he can do what he wants and we get to be a part of it. And yes, he is sovereign. And yes, we have a responsibility and those two things work together. <laughs> Some crazy, crazy way that we yes. do not understand. <laughs> yes. But it's just, I, I think that's, that's, this is a long way basically to say that I'm just loving learning how God can weave all things together for his, our good, his glory in ways that we don't really have to understand, but get to be a part of. Yes. 
how cool is it that the Lord spoke to us about, I mean, I learned all that too, right? but that wasn't like my main takeaway and humility wasn't your main takeaway. How cool is it that like the Lord spoke to us in completely different ways living and active through the same book. Yep. So this has just been so cool. And um, I think next week we're going to have a little Christmas episode for you. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about that. And so. um, And then we're going to take a couple weeks off for Christmas. Yes. yes. And And then in the new year. It's going to be fun and exciting. It will be. Maybe we'll announce next week what it's going to be. So I guess today we will leave you with. How about since we started with your favorite verse, we'll end with mine. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. This is Philippians 2, verses 9 and 10. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cox.